coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Seven unannounced games leaked on Amazon France, but do they all center around a mime playing accordion at Toulouse Lautrec's birthday party at the Moulin Rouge? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellis, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We have got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Pokemon, the Pokemon Company's ridiculous profits. And then on Thursday, we're going to be talking about Nintendo's E3 presentation. Huh? But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? How am I doing? What a question at a time like this. I guess the... W- yes. <laughs> the, the easiest way to answer it is... The way I always answer it, and I'll just say, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking, Patrick. <laughs> um, let's let's address this like a, a little bit off the top uh, here. Obviously, the whole country is going through uh, something real right now. Um, Mark and I both live in Los Angeles, where there have been a lot of protests and a lot of horrible police responses to uh, such protests. Um, and so, uh, you know, we uh, wanted to be able, to, we want to do this show, we want to provide uh, a, a an escape um, and talk about some video game stuff, uh, even as uh, the world is in a, a bad place and, um, you know, the president is talking about <laughs> deploying the army to uh, American cities, which is a, a nightmare. But um, so forgive us if we uh, get dragged down by that or if we uh, start talking about it. Um, you know, uh, we believe Black Lives Matter. Um, we stand with protesters, uh, and uh, just going to try to get on and have a fun show for you tonight. Um, here's something that's not super fun. My copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it? Not fun. It's not a fun game. <laughs> I tried playing it again recently. It's not very good. Um, all you got to do uh, to get on the list to borrow my copy of this game is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. and give us a mailing address where we can send this thing to you. Um, you play it for as long as you want. You get a return mail envelope. I, I, address, the, I address the envelope. I post it, put postage on the envelope uh, and then you send it back to me and it uh, costs you nothing. This is a really great point, Patrick. We have talked in the past about how you send the return postage, but we've yes. never mentioned, I don't think, that you address the envelope. It is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just another selling point to an already perfect program. Yeah, it is a zero effort on your part. All you got to do is email us. Like, that is literally... <laughs> and then drop it back in the mail later. Like, that is it. I There were whispers last week that maybe the program was gearing up to get out of hiatus. Um, probably not this week, but is that still the plan? That is still, yes, it is still my plan to uh, take us off of uh, hiatus. Um, you know, uh, maybe not at, at, at the moment. Um, currently, uh, I'm under a curfew. So, <laughs> um, 
yeah uh again when when uh when slash if things get back to normal um the program will continue please borrow my copy of sonic forces um the price for it on the eShop has gone back up to twenty dollars so i again not that i was ever telling anyone what to do with their money but uh now i i thoroughly uh counter recommend spending the full twenty dollars <laughs> to play the game when you can just borrow it from me um, also, we wanted to address what we are going to be doing on Thursdays this month. Uh, I said that we we're going to be talking about Nintendo's E3 presentation, but Nintendo's not having an E3 presentation because there is no E3 this year. Um, so, Mark, what are we doing? Well, we uh, still want to celebrate E3. And so we're going to be looking at Nintendo E3 presentations from years in the past all month long. Um, this coming Thursday, we're going to be looking at Nintendo's 2004 E3 presentation, which is the Nintendo DS reveal. Um, and then we'll be looking at 2006, 2010, and 2011. We encourage you to watch along with us, or I guess really watch before we talk about it on No, try Thursdays. to figure it out. Try to figure <laughs> out when we're watching it. <laughs> Um, but uh, again, we, you know, we we will throw up a little reminder uh, uh, during the Tuesday episodes about which um, E three presentation we're going to be talking about um, later in the week. Um, so you've got a couple days then to just sort of uh, catch up and uh, watch with us. So uh, or <laughs> talk about it with talk about it with us. I don't even know. You could email us. In in fact, um, since we are going to be doing the two thousand four the Nintendo DS reveal um uh e3 presentation uh you can email us any reactions at nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com gmail or you can tweet at us at nincart society um whatever sort of reactions you have to it um i haven't seen a lot of these in a long time so i am uh i'm very interested to revisit them and just see what i feel about them can i be excited for a 16 year old <laughs> e3 presentation uh, maybe i can mark so i'm pretty sure that the 2004 one is reggie's first e3 and it is really something to cherish i i'm really excited to do this because like you i have not like watched these full presentations um you know in years probably yeah. since they originally like were available on spike tv or something so uh i'm very excited i think this is going to be a lot of fun all right great mark let's get into what we've been playing this week I'd like to kick this off with uh, the uh, fact that I have, uh, true to my word, picked up Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, um, and I will honor it with its full name, just as I have been honoring Dragon Quest XI as Seconds of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, um, even though I am not to a place where I don't hate Xenoblade <laughs> Chronicles. We had a short text conversation um, yes. <laughs> where uh, you basically told me that you hated the game. And I was like, well, is it the gameplay or the characters or just like something intangible? And you were like, no, I think it's all of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this here here is the here is the uh, text. This is the exchange. Um, I said it might be too early for me to say this, but I think I hate Xenoblade. This is at 3.26 on Friday. <laughs> Game had been out for less than 24 hours. And you say, oh, no, gameplay, story, or both? To which I respond, both? 
every part of it. <laughs> now, you did not love Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but you also gave that a shot. So I'm curious uh, on this, like, w- how it compares to Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, well, so do you remember as we were leading up to the release of this game, you said uh, something along the lines of, um, you know, no matter how much they uh, have remastered the game, uh, it's like, I wonder if they're going to be able to overcome the fact that it is a Wii game, right? Like if, if it can ever actually overcome the uh, design that's built into the fact that it is a game running on, you know, two generations old uh, hardware. Um and I mean, it, it is exactly that. Like, it feels like an old game. Um, it looks a lot better than it used to, um, but it, it feels old and it's got all of the um, sort of clunkiness that uh, I, I didn't like about um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, um, where like I never really feel like I'm in control of the characters. And part of that is just like, you know, the battle system is a lot of you just move your character close to the to the enemies uh mm-hmm. and they like sort of auto attack and then like you you know pick their special attacks um that that are on like separate little cooldown meters uh, but your two party members are just sort of like hacking away um so it i i don't it's i feel like i don't have any control over what they're doing uh but then on top of that feels really hard (laughs) like um i uh even even in like the first real mission um am uh finding that like the enemies kill me and i'm like okay well am am i doing something wrong and then like sort of looking up strategies of like how to approach these battles and like i think i'm doing it all right but then then again i'm not always able to tell because like okay so your character shulk has um, you know, two special moves that are more powerful when they are done uh, to the back of the enemy, one to the back of the enemy and the other to the, to the side of the enemy. Um, and it's not always easy for me to tell where the front of an enemy is, right? Because, like, it's moving around, the camera's moving around, your two party members are moving around, um, and, like, everything looks kind of boxy and weird. Um, and, like, there's a little exclamation point that pops up when the move is going to be effective, but I don't know if I'm doing that at the right time or like a split second after, you know? So yeah. like, and, and the whole thing has a very like kind of floaty, um, you know how in um, Zelda, when you hit someone with a sword, it feels good. It feels like you're hitting something with a sword. You see like a knockback on, on that side and there's a sound effect and it all like, you can very easily um, connect your input to what is happening on screen and like the effect that it has on something else. And I feel like, I'm every part of that chain is disconnected for me in Xenoblade, um, uh, which just makes it super difficult to uh, get into the gameplay. Yeah, that does not sound fun. I'm curious. So one of the things that they added for the definitive release is um, my like a, a super easy mode or like basically where you're just playing for the story. Casual mode. Casual mode. And, you know, that's, like, one of the things, like, when I played Fire Emblem Three Houses, you know, I yeah. played it on easy and on, you know, you couldn't die, like, all that kind of stuff. And I enjoyed it that way, but I also found, like, the characters and the story of Fire Emblem Three Houses, like, interesting enough to um, make it worth going through the battles and basically just, like, auto-playing a lot of them in the beginning. Um, yeah. I'm curious if... Like, do you think that you would enjoy Xenoblade Chronicles in that way? Like, if you were 
the not emphasizing the combat or do you think like the story in the world just isn't enough to engage you either um it's a good question and you're sounding an awful lot like the game right now which <laughs> frequently prompted me <laughs> to turn the difficulty down to casual mode it could tell i was struggling um so i i i don't know um i like at least I think I do. I think I like RPG battle systems, and I like to get into them and uh, understand them. Um, you know that that I I felt most rewarded by uh, Dragon Quest when I like actually understood what I was doing with, with the combat mechanics. Um, and then once I got there, then I felt comfortable putting the whole game on auto um, and letting like the the battles mostly play themselves out until I decided I wanted to intervene. Um, so like I I feel like that would be giving up a big part of what I like about those kinds of games, um, and if all I'm left with is then like you know like a a a crazy anime about people that live on um you know giant um the corpses of uh, giant battling uh, monsters like can't I just go watch an an anime you know what I mean like yeah um and it's it's so uh it's it's just not really my storytelling aesthetic to begin with um you know i uh again to use the the two examples we just brought up of um fire emblem and uh dragon quest um those have some of the same aesthetic or some of the same like storytelling uh elements that sort of uh you know like anime that the japanese storytelling um that uh i i like and this is just not it this is it's just I'm just not digging it. Like, uh, and and I don't know if um, more time with it would change that. Um, I had the uh, English voice acting on for a little bit and said, "Nope, I can't do that." Uh, and put the uh, Japanese voice acting on, which is better. Um, but the uh, uh, man, the the characters do not shut up in this game. <laughs> um, uh, during battle and like when a battle ends, I swear everyone has like three sentences of celebratory dialogue <laughs> and they're all just talking at the exact same time um and yeah it is it, it's it has been a brutal experience for me so far um and i don't i want to i want to like try it again i want to like get myself over you know a first like four or five hour hump um but like i am finding it difficult um that kind that's kind of a bummer only because you know like you spent 60 bucks on it but <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things that I uh, think is still worth seeking out from the game, because like I've never played it, but it's still in like heavy in my rotation um, when I'm like uh, looking for video game music to listen to, is the soundtrack to this game is really, uh, really good. And um, so th that was like, uh, I was curious if like, because the world sounds really cool and like it has a great soundtrack. And so I yeah. wondered if like the aesthetics could carry it. Um, but it sounds like, I mean, it makes sense. It's a video game. And if it's not fun to play, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, you know, uh, this is, uh, uh, of course, this is me reviewing it from two hours into it. Right. Um, and you know, I, I, I am at some point, uh, when, uh, if it doesn't grab me, you know, I will just have to concede that it is a game that is not for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, as far as like your comment about the music, I think the music is good. It never quite feels appropriate. Mm. Um, uh, it is sometimes like too bombastic and energetic as I'm just like running across the field, um, you know, sort of like evoking feelings that I don't think are appropriate for like a more mundane task that I'm undertaking. Uh, but 
I will. Uh, I I'm I'm gonna give it another shot. Uh, I endeavor not to just be a negative Gus about it. Uh, <laughs> But I can only be pushed so far, Mark. <laughs> well, here's what I mean. Like, what's the point? I I guess I feel like what there. What's the point of e- yeah. eating your vegetables with video games? You know what I mean? If it's like if you don't like it and it's not to your taste, like that's I wouldn't. Why waste time on it? Well, because you know I I uh, had played a little bit of Dragon Quest Eleven on the PlayStation Four when it came out. Um, and uh didn't really care for what i experienced and like you know there are a lot of the improvements in um dragon quest 11 s that uh makes it a better game but i don't know that it makes it so much of a better game that like i wouldn't have just enjoyed the original had i just stuck with it and like played more of it you know i I think it definitely has a period at the beginning which is uh, not bad, but not nearly as fun or engrossing as, uh, you know, the latter 65, 70 hours of it. Yeah, no, I mean, that is a really good point. And I feel like with RPGs especially, it yes. takes time to kind of like reveal itself. And it takes time to get to the point in the game where you can appreciate the parts that you want to put time into and kind of yes. ignore the systems and aspects of it that like don't interest you as much. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I, I can't tell you the number of uh, games, uh, especially RPGs, that I've played where I've been playing for like 20 hours and I'm like, oh, I can do this? That's awesome. You know, like, and it's something that's been there and available to me from the jump. Um, and I just haven't like thought about the game in that way. Um, so yeah, the it, we, all of which is to say, I would like to, in fact, eat my vegetables on this thing. Uh, and maybe it reveals just more vegetables, but maybe there's a chocolate cake in there. <laughs> and sometimes vegetables are good. <laughs> this is also true. <laughs> uh, so I've been still making my way through Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. I have gotten, uh, I, I I beat the core game. I got all of like the gold coins um in all the levels and so now i'm on like the star road and uh i'm halfway through those levels i think or i guess a little over halfway i have three levels left um sometimes they are these levels are very devious in the sense that like in earlier uh super mario brothers u deluxe levels sometimes the gold coins would be hidden and so you would go through a level and you'd be like yeah i guess i have to like go back and explore and find that gold coin in the star levels i don't know have you have you patrick did you when you played the game like have you done the star levels uh i think i've done some of them but uh, honestly I, I i don't remember yeah yeah so like they in the star levels they are like here's all the gold coins like they're very like uh easy to locate but the difficulty oh, is in like getting them and uh, none of the levels have checkpoints. And so it's all just like so much repetition uh, and being like, oh, yeah. I'm so close. Or like, I've gotten all three and then I die at this very like at this like tricky part at the very end. Um, but actually, OK, so when I was playing the game, I found the save mechanic annoying where you could only in your first play through the game, you can only save at like uh, the like castles in the middle like the dungeons and then the Mm -hmm. um airships at the end like after you defeat those then you're able to save or if you find like secret uh uh exits and um the and so like when i was first playing i'm like wow this is really annoying but now when i'm in star road and i'm able to save whenever i want it feels like a little bit less special because you're able to like (laughs) not like you're just able to cheese stuff a little easier it's like oh man 
instead of having to kind of be like, oh, well, I lost that acorn. Am I going to, or like that squirrel suit, am I going to like start back from the last time I saved or I'm just going to figure out another way to get this gold coin? Now you're like, oh, great. I'll just go back to the main menu, reload this game and use this one, you know, like squirrel suit over and over and over until I finally like get it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, what's funny is that that's so much, you know, it's the same save system as uh, Super Mario World, right? Um, and I remember, uh, you know, when I was a kid playing that game and, like, having that one little secret area off the ghost house in Donut Plains where you can get, like, uh, either two two feathers or two uh, fire flowers and a Yoshi. Um, and it's just, like, it's the same basic idea where you're just like, oh, yeah, just go over there and, like, get get powered up and then keep going where it's like, well, why not just let me do that wherever, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but I have to admit my esteem for this game has like really risen significantly. I, um, while I was playing it, I was like, I mean, probably objectively, this is a better platformer than a lot of, you know, the Mario games that came before that I, I obviously have so much like emotion tied up in super Mario brothers three and super Mario world. But, mm. like, as actual, like, level design and platforming, like, it's really good. This is a really good single-player Mario game. Like, I have, I'm glad that I've taken this time to go back and appreciate it um, or play it a little bit slower because uh, I was surprised at what I found. Uh, yeah, and th- that that is also a, a good thing to do with that game because playing it multiplayer is uh, so, like, uh, immediately and obviously fun and rewarding that, like, it, it can maybe take a second to realize that there is a deep single-player experience there, too. Except Nabbit, who I hate. <laughs> I hate Nabbit. I uh, so was going through and uh, I did a Nabbit in every world because you get, like, a star on your save file for doing it that way. But um, <laughs> man, do do I hate do I hate that character? Uh, yeah, Nabbit's not fun, and uh, controlling him doesn't make him any better. Uh, it's it's so weird that Nintendo uh, like just introduced that character, right? Like, <laughs> he's so strange. Yeah, what is Nabbit? <laughs> Um, I also just wanted to add that I, uh, played a little bit of Mario Kart 7 this weekend. Um, Sarah has been playing a lot of Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is great, but it means that I don't have as much, uh, unfettered access to our Nintendo Switch, um, which means that the, uh, 3DS has been getting a little bit of a workout lately. Um, so yeah, playing Mario Kart 7 and really just sort of like drilling down on the, uh, tracks that are not in Mario Kart 8 um, and sort of just being reminded how much that game leans into um, having really long tracks um, and how there's I think in in every circuit there's one of those like one-way courses where like you don't do three laps where it's just it's a single lap or like a single start point to a single end point um, and uh, sort of missing that in in mario kart 8 um that like i think there are a lot of lessons that the next mario kart game could learn from seven uh in just being like a little bit more adventurous or like a little bit more willing to take the racers on a journey from start to finish um than uh than mario kart 8 does that's interesting i haven't played mario kart 7 um i feel like its reputation nowadays is not very good so it's interesting 
for me to hear you say like, oh yeah, there's a lot of lessons that nine could take from seven. That that actually makes me more interested in checking it out. I mean, I I'm sort of always been of the opinion that with the exception of Super Circuit, Super Circuit is that the GBA one? I think so. Um, that with the exception of that one, every new Mario Kart game is the best one until the next new one comes out. Um, you know, I I thought uh, DS was great. I thought Wii was great. I you know I think Seven is is great as well. Um, yeah, and it's uh, I I think the only reason to not look super kindly on Seven is that eight just outdoes it in so many ways um and it is really just in this one specific dimension that i think seven has something over eight mm-hmm. um but you know eight, eight, eight does it too like um there's the the mount wario there's um uh whichever one of the f-zero tracks that's the one-way <laughs> track either big blue or the other one mute city um so yeah, like it's it's not it's not as though it's absent from eight, but I think seven uh, kind of leans into it a little bit more. Uh, okay, so that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So we got two games coming out on Friday that I want to talk about on June fifth. So first, Clubhouse Games Fifty One Worldwide Classics. Um, the Nintendo first party game that I didn't realize was part of a franchise until a friend of the show, June, uh, texted me and there was like a DS game that was yeah, also was called a DS Clubhouse game. Games. Uh, yeah. And I mean, uh, Clubhouse Games looks like it is also, uh, in some of the games taking a little bit of its cues from, um, Wii Play, right? Like there's, uh, the, the like the sort of like tanks game. Um, and a few other things that like feel as though, you know, this is just sort of their repository for board games and mini games. Yeah. Like bowling is a part of it. And from what I've read, like, it's not exactly like Wii Bowling. Like it doesn't feel as good as Wii Bowling, which is crazy to say, because I don't feel like Wii Bowling, uh, play like felt all that good. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's also only 40 bucks, which I didn't realize. I so this was also news to me too, um, and it was uh, I, I think at forty bucks it actually begins to make sense as, as a as a Nintendo first party game. Um, just Clubhouse Games fifty one worldwide classics, and the fact that there aren't like Nintendo characters involved in it, and it's not like cute or anything. Like the graph, the aesthetic of this game is very uh, plain, right? It, it seems mm-hmm. very simple, almost cheap in some ways it feels like something that i agree with you it does not feel like a nintendo first party title like um there and that's a little for whatever reason hard for me to wrap my brain around um it seems like something that like a perfectly fine you know like third party would publish along with like monopoly or carnival games um yeah so ubisoft is what you're <laughs> right yeah i guess a perfectly fine third party um also coming out on friday is the oh oh sorry one one thing that i want to talk about clubhouse games is that it has yes. a, a online for a lot of the games as well which um could be fun uh and so like i i i didn't think i was going to pick this up but i think actually i might um, the other game that's coming out on Friday that I have already preloaded is The Outer Worlds. Um, this is the RPG from Obsidian that, uh, you know, c- is kind of another take on that Fallout type um, of RPG. 
Yeah, it came out on other platforms in like October of last year, um, I believe. Uh, I, I remember talking about it with Emily when she was on our show and we were talking about spooky levels. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. Um, must have been in October. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really excited for this. Um, I, uh, I, I was one of those people that came to Fallout with Fallout 3 and, you know, like um, I bought New Vegas. I didn't put a ton of time into New Vegas because I was so burned. I had put so many hours into Fallout 3 that I started New Vegas and was like, I cannot do this again. Um, but I'm excited. This is by a lot of the people who, you know, made New Vegas. It's uh, kind of a, a smaller scope than like a Bethesda Fallout game. But it's supposed to be, um, the quests are supposed to be really good. The writing is supposed to be really good. And that that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for something where like, um, you know, like you don't have to, to, you can get through scenarios without having to use combat at all and uh, uh I, I i am excited to dive into this so all right cool uh i expect uh i'm excited to hear more about it i don't expect to hear it. I, I don't want to <laughs> sound like i'm giving you homework uh all right mark let's close out the segment And now it's time for a regular segment on this show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, we're on a little bit of a uh, a 433 theme right now. Um, um, in that uh, last week we talked about our favorite episodes of the of, of the Simpsons. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, an, a specific episode of the Simpsons, the principal and the pauper. Yeah, you had mentioned it in our discussion last week about uh, the Simpsons, and I just watched it like a night or two ago on during my rewatch of the Simpsons, and I had only seen it like I don't know. The last time I saw it was probably like four or five years ago when Simpsons world first became available on uh, like yeah. the FX app. Um, but this is kind of so, like a, oh, sorry, go ahead. Just a, a little bit of context as to what episode this is. This yeah. is a uh, season nine, episode two. Um, it is the episode where principal Skinner is revealed to be a fraud that his real name is Armin Tamzarian. And he stole uh, Prince uh, Seymour Skinner's identity um, during the uh, Vietnam war or Korean war. It doesn't matter. Um, probably Vietnam. Uh, and, uh, you know, came back and lived his life. And then uh, uh, the real Skinner comes back and tries to reclaim his identity. And it's so funny. So th- this uh, episode ha- kind of has a negative reputation. Um, yes. But rewatch. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Just uh, sorry. I, I, I always will have too much information about a Simpsons episode. Um, but in, in, the, uh, in the commentary track, um, the writer, Ken Keeler, um starts uh starts discussion of the episode by um joking and saying like okay well uh, i thought we would just get into where we were in our minds and we decided that we wanted to ruin the show forever <laughs> <laughs> and you know like that that is uh, that that is a reputation that the episode has in that it is a bad and b like ruins the reality or like wrecks something fundamental about the series yeah which is uh you know we were just talking about like i in my rewatch, I think like the very next episode is actually where I would say that that um, decline begins. Like, I think this is a perfectly like fine, funny episode. I think it's super funny that um, this is basically like Dr- Don Draper 
and everybody yes. loves Mad Men, but when everyone the loves did Don it. Draper, Dick Whitman. Come on, <laughs> Simpsons way ahead of the curve on this one. <laughs> and also, I mean, this is a it, that's like the I, this idea is taken from like a classic war story too, right? I I, I don't actually know what that movie or book or whatever it is is called, but like, it's not, uh, it's not coming from nothing. Um, um and, and I, like the Seymour, like this episode, what you also like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the, the Seymour Skinner, like the real Seymour Skinner, when he comes back, did they do a really good job of like, like, even though he's just a normal person who like would not put up with Mrs. Skinner's, you know, like uh, all the nonsense that she puts uh, Armin yeah. through, like uh, his totally normal reactions to her read as so like mean. Yeah, it's it's. I I love when he's like, I'm I'm going to a bar, mom, and she goes, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, it's uh uh it is it's 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 one of those episodes that is uh a lot like Homer's Enemy in that like um all it really does is put like a super normal person in the Simpsons orbit um and uh I I do think that people respond to that um in either negative or positive ways. The weird thing is like Homer's Enemy and that's the uh, the Frank Grimes episode um uh has such a positive reputation by but it's the same gimmick right it's um it's like a real person in this cartoon character's world um but i people like that frank grimes episode for some reason i feel like that episode has a reputation for being really mean but it makes sense in the world of the simpsons i think one of the things that rubs people the wrong way about this episode is the way that it ends which is like because it's basically saying like how do we get out of this situation and what they end up doing is just like um you know uh putting the real seymour skinner on a train uh tying him to a rail car in like a wooden chair well i guess we'll never know i guess we'll i guess we'll never know um sorry i do just have one more thing to say about it um that it's uh, 99% of all Simpsons episodes end with uh, nothing changing and everything being the same the next week, exactly the same the next week. So, like, they just have to magic themselves to that anyway, right? <laughs> well, like, they actually, in a weird way, they're just like, yeah, he just, the judge legally changes his name to Seymour Skinner. The end. Right. And, <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, okay, great. Then it makes sense for people to call him that. Uh, we were accompanied today by Timoteos uh, <clears throat> Petrin and uh, George Gion Fu. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So this morning at 6 a.m. Pacific time, so likely by the, by the time you've listened to this, possibly it's already been announced. Um, did I put enough qualifiers in there? Likely, possibly. Likely, possibly, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen... Dear listener, you might be one of the precious few who, as soon as it hits midnight Pacific time, you're downloading this episode. You are consuming it. Um, in which case, you will you will be in the same situation Patrick and I, where we do not know the news that the Pokemon Company is going to be revealing this morning at 6 a.m. Um, they're going to be revealing new information about the Pokemon Sword and Shield expansion pack. Uh, the first part of the DLC was originally slated to come out in June. So, and as far as we know, that hasn't been delayed. So it's likely that um, we're going to get like a specific date for the Isle of Armor. 
Um, now, Mark, I'm going to make us uh, engage in a tiny bit of speculation about something that has probably already been announced by the time people are listening to this. Um, do you think they are going to say uh, uh, here, like, detail the Isle of Armor and say, and it's available later today? Interesting. I don't. No, I don't think so. I think okay. they're going to detail it, and then I think it'll be available in like a week or two. Um, I I think that. Uh, they're like gonna try to drum up a little more, you know, like business before it drops. Um, uh, so something uh, is just occurring to me now. June, the month we are currently in, is also supposedly the month where we will find out who this uh, arms character is that's going to be in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so big Smash DLC, big, and you know, we are assuming then that the character will also come out at uh, you know roughly the same time uh so big smash dlc big pokemon dlc do you think nintendo is even uh thinking about them as possibly being in competition with each other or is it possible that one of them drops on tuesday and the other one drops on wednesday i think and this is literally based on nothing but i think that the smash one will come out around when e3 would have been sure Sure. Like my guess is that that was where they were shooting for it internally, anyways, um, and that that will continue to be true. Would E three have been this week or next week? I think it would have been next week. I feel like it's normally like last year was like around the twelfth. I think it's normally yeah, yeah, a little closer sense. to the middle of the month. Okay. Um, also, speaking of Pokemon, the Pokemon Company uh, recently had an investor call to recap their fiscal year that ended in February 2020. Um, That period is now being marked as their second best year ever with profits up 14.8% from the previous year. Now, you may be asking yourself, um, wow, well, you may be saying, wow, first of all, and then you may uh, follow it up by asking yourself, <laughs> um, huh, I wonder what their, what their best year ever was. It must have been sometime in the early 2000s or in like the 90s when, like late 90s, when Pokemon was like first getting huge and it was everywhere. Um, seemingly not the case. Yeah, uh, they, they, yeah, go ahead. Looking at the chart, it's like insane the difference between like um, 2015 or even 2016 and 2017, where 2017 is just like monstrous growth. Yeah, 2017 is is the year that the Pokemon Company had their best year. Um, Mark, do you remember what happened in 2017? I'm guessing it's Pokemon Go. It's Pokemon Go. Um, and so a lot of, uh, you know, the Pokemon Company's success in the years since 2017, including uh, 2020, is due to Pokemon Go. Um, you know, obviously, uh, last or uh, 2019, they had um, Let's Go. Um, and this last year, they had uh, Sword and Shield, um, the, the financial years. Um, but, like, the main drivers for profit in these years has been uh the has been go which is just it's it's something that you know i don't think about at all anymore um when i read this uh, i was like oh yeah pokemon like i forgot the game existed um but it's making them just a ton of money yeah it's really incredible uh also last week we got an overhead view of super nintendo world at universal studios in japan new photos gave a view of like the entrance area to the land including like a big star man in the ground um, in front of a pipe that leads into the land itself. Um, It looks very cool. I think if Universal Studios 
Japan was open right now that um, Super Nintendo World would probably be really close to its grand opening. Um, right now, Universal Studios Japan is closed. Um, I think maybe I read today, I can't remember for sure, that it's going to be opening in July. Um, so maybe Super Nintendo World will be opening fairly soon, but it looks pretty great. It looks pretty great. I like seeing, uh, I mean, if, if you haven't seen these pictures like on uh, Twitter or whatever, um, look them up somewhere um, because it, it's cool to see like this overhead view where, you know, you can see like other parts of the park uh, and then this amazing pop of color, which is Super Nintendo World. Um, like it's just so bright. It's got just like all of the, uh, you know, primary colors of like the, the, uh, the Mushroom Kingdom, um, and just looks uh, beautiful and fun, and like, man, that feels cool. Man, it just it just seems great. Um, you you enter through a warp pipe, um, and th- like it seems as though you're like inside for a long time before you exit uh, what appears to be the front of Peach's Castle, um, and then like there's just stuff everywhere. So like, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to. Uh, see impressions uh to read some stuff to see some more photos and then eventually go to one of these when it comes to um uh universal in hollywood yeah it looks like so much like you said like just like the colors are so happy um it's really fun like you can see the little yoshi vehicles lined up uh and you know like yeah that just seems like the dream to be able to ride a yoshi through this like dark ride you get bowser's castle which is going to be the entrance to mario kart um i am super excited for this and i'm really glad they're building one here in hollywood too yeah amazon france has posted some product descriptions that uh possibly pretend the release of future nintendo switch games um whether or not these are actually tied to releases who knows um but like yeah sometimes sometimes these uh these listings appear on uh various versions of amazon or anything um because people are making some educated guesses um and they know they'll have to put some placeholders up at some point um and so like that could either be this or they could have like specific games in mind for all of these so and there are some specifics to it. So like there are four listings for unannounced Nintendo first party games. And because they're unannounced, yes. we, you know, it's not Clubhouse Games and it's not Paper Mario. Um and then they also have listings for a few like third party games from studios like Warner Brothers, Bethesda, Square Enix, Ubisoft, Capcom and Take 2. Uh which is all of that very interesting. Um, is is there anything uh, in that lineup uh, and any of those uh, developers or publishers that has you like particularly excited? Well, I'm trying to think of what's in like what's on Bethesda's slate because Bethesda has been really good about you know yeah. publishing games like on Switch. Like what in their upcoming slate that hasn't been an, or that's been announced for other platforms but not for Switch would there be? Um, and you know, like we saw announcements for Doom Eternal and stuff like that at the same time as other platforms. So it's possible that yeah. the Bethesda title is an unannounced title. Like I, I'm kind of out of a loss for all of these. Like Ubisoft, it wouldn't totally shock me if we're getting a sequel to Rabbids. Um, Capcom, again, it's another one where you're like, it's 99. It's probably likely that it's going to be a port of a game 
that already came out. Um, yeah. And so like somewhere else. Yeah, like it's it's exciting to see all these publishers. Um, but it, you know, like Warner Brothers could be a Lego game. Take Two could be a basketball game, or it could be Grand Theft Auto Five. You know, like uh, right. the possibilities <laughs> right, right. just and- seem like crazy right and warner brothers could be you know the new batman game so like uh or it could be the new uh harry potter game or it could be like a new uh middle earth game you know like the the possibilities in a lot of these places are sort of endless um do you have any like wish wishes for uh square enix yeah that one's weird because that's like another one where i'm like it so what it feels like it's going to be is something in the vein of like an Octopath Traveler, right? But we're all but Bravely Default yeah. 2 has already been announced. So right. uh is it like another game from Tokyo RPG Factory? Is it is, like does uh, Tokyo RPG Factory still exist? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is it um a uh like Kingdom Hearts collection? You know, just like Yeah. Great yeah. question. And like why and why isn't there a Kingdom Hearts collection like that that uh, just has everything but uh number three on it? Um or even why not try to put Kingdom Hearts three on, you know, like uh find a way to dumb these things down. I also um you know uh if there's a way to actually put a version of Final Fantasy fifteen on the Switch, it seems like that would also be something that uh would, would sell well on that system. Um Capcom, I wonder if Capcom is so interesting, right? Because like the uh Resident Evil games have, you know, they they are they're in like a new good place with Resident Evil. Um but like so it it could be another like entry in the Resident Evil series. Um, you know, maybe they're deciding that they can um make different versions of remakes that aren't just like the kinds of um two and three that we've seen. Um, but I would also, man, you know, uh, just this last week, uh, Street Fighter Five um Championship Edition announced that they were releasing their fifth season of DLC characters, uh, another five characters, which is going to bring that game's uh player count to like. 50 almost um which is uh wild it's so many characters for a street fighter game um and it makes me wonder if they are um and the game that game finally has like a good reputation again right like when it was uh launched street fighter 5 um was critically derided uh, and really took like the fighting game community uh embracing it and capcom updating it continuously for like five years for it to be in a good place at all. Um, like, I wonder if that's the kind of thing that they would want to try to bring over to switch or something else in their fighting, uh, oeuvre. Cause it's been a little while that like, uh, cap, uh, Marvel versus Capcom infinite was uh, a long time ago now and disappeared almost immediately. Um, and it's just weird to have such a, an absence of Capcom fighters, uh, like of new Capcom fighters outside of uh, Street Fighter Five, um, I just I just I feel like there's there's a hole there there's a piece missing um, for Capcom fighters on Switch. Well, I also think that with Capcom, there's um, you know it wasn't it was only a few years ago that Capcom was putting games like uh, eight like um, Phoenix Wright on Ace Attorney yeah. and like those types of games on the 3DS. And that they were had those like smaller efforts for that platform, and we've seen them basically in the Switch era completely abandon that. And it makes sense because Capcom, the, uh, this generation, has seen a lot of success on the PlayStation Four, in yeah. and Xbox, like in countries outside of Japan. 
And so it makes a lot of sense for them to focus efforts there, but it does make me sad that it seems to be at the expense of these more like quirky titles that used to show up on Nintendo platforms. And I would yeah. love to see that um, make its way back in some form or another. Um, that's a good point, and it uh, brings up a franchise that uh, I am not super excited about, but I need to remember is a big deal to Capcom, and that's Monster Hunter. Um, you know, uh, Monster Hunter World on uh, PlayStation and Xbox was a, a big deal, um, and you know, is is not a game that has appeared on Switch, and I don't know if it you know physically can run on that thing, but um, Monster Hunter is another big heavy hitter that we could possibly see something from. Yeah, one of the things that I think is really exciting about the Switch is that. You know, we've seen a lot of games on it from third parties ported by com companies like Virtuos um, yeah. that, you know, like in the past, I'd be like, yeah, there's no way that that would show up on a Nintendo platform. And then they put The Witcher 3 on Switch or Doom and Doom Eternal. And so I feel like what's exciting about like these listings is that I really feel like the sky's the limit and it could like the options are out there for it to be a big swing. I don't think we should set our hearts on that because I think, you know, that um, a lot of these can be explained by like Lego games and another Rabbids game, which it would be great. And, you know, like um, another Resident Evil port from Capcom, but it's possible that it is something more. And I think that's exciting. What? Okay. Without looking it up, <laughs> outside of current generation uh, Resident Evil games, so no two re remake, no three remake, and no seven, what Resident Evil games have not appeared on Switch? Code Veronica. Great answer. Let's get Code <laughs> Veronica on Switch. Um, Animal Crossing's New Horizons is holding a wedding event in the month of June. From now until the end of the month, players can help a cute llama or alpaca couple, um, Cyrus and Reese, celebrate their love by taking pictures of them on Harv's Island. Uh, I know that Harv's Island is a uh, fun thing where you can take pictures using all of the furniture you've encountered and all of the uh, neighbors you've encountered. Um, but man, Harv just skeeves me out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I do not trust that dog. I don't like that he wants me to take pictures in his shack on an island that is uninhabited by anyone but him. Um, but sure, let's uh, let's let's celebrate the the wedding of of these two llamas. Do you know what I I, I like about this is that um, I, I think uh, Cyrus and Reese are both very kind of like um, gender neutral names. And so I think it's appropriate for Pride Month that, uh, you know, like you can be celebrating Cyrus and Reese's wedding in uh, whatever gender configurations um, tickle your fancy. Um, I love that. Canonically, I believe they're a straight couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, if canonically people were straight, then like half in of internet fan fiction wouldn't exist. Mm. So Great point. I don't really right. find it as then a barrier. That then we couldn't celebrate CJ and Flick, and you know I celebrate CJ and Flick. <laughs> Their partner is Mark. <laughs> also, in a recent update, um, previously when you uh used a Nook Miles ticket to go to a um another deserted island to gather resources, anything that you gathered, like um you had to have room in your inventory, and then you had to take it with you. Like you couldn't leave anything on the island. And that part doesn't change, but what has changed is Dodo Airlines is now offering a couple of new services. Um, so they will ship things that you gather on the island back to your storage at home for free. 
And then they also have the option of um, basically it works like the Dropbox at Nook's Cranny. So you can give your some items to Wilbur while you're on the deserted island. And then you get um, markdown pr- prices on them and the bells show up in your uh, bank account the next day. Um, all of which is uh, super convenient and uh, it changes the game, I think, a little bit for um, like, especially for early gameplay. And I understand that most people are not experiencing the early game of uh, of this now um but like i remember going to a, a nook miles island on like my first or second day and only having like the two rows of pocket space um and like after filling up my inventory with my um uh, items uh, not items uh tools to actually like harvest the island um having to like pick and choose what i wanted to take back with me um but this uh kind of does away with that decision making and you can just sort of strip mine the island without having to like track anything (laughs) a wonderful message (laughs) (laughs) um also it is uh worth pointing out that since it is now june um that means it is summer so there are a lot of little things that have changed on the island um including new uh new fish and new bugs um there was a uh surfboard in my nook's cranny today that like sitting off to the side like not in any of the regular uh like item purchasing spots um so it's uh uh it's been exciting to like run around and see some like not new necessarily but uh stuff that wasn't part of um the game in in the spring um even seeing like different fish shapes um so like uh sarah was fishing and there was like uh, definitely a long fish that was like an eel of some kind uh which got away didn't catch the eel um and then and then another fish that had a fin like a shark oh that's cool yeah um so i i assume that that's all just stuff that is part of um you know we are reaching this date and not something that it was added with any um update um but it is still worth you know just pointing out that uh animal crossing is um uh has has new content patrick uh, did you see the um pre-order bonus for that uh best buy is giving away at the for lego star wars the skywalker saga uh, I did not. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, this sounds like one of those horrible, like, uh, podga- podcast, like, scripted um, commercials where, you know, I'm going to tell you about my uh, great experience using, like, Chow Down or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's what not is, that wait, at all. What is, what is Chow Down? <laughs> I don't know. Well. I'm so, Patrick. I'm so glad you asked. Chowdown is a transformative. Uh, no, no, no. Um, uh, but no. The, what they're what the pre-order bonus for uh, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga at Best Buy is. It's a like a really fun steel book that um, looks like Han in Carbon Freeze. It's really it's uh, it's really cute looking, and of course, it's not just Han and Carbon uh, Frozen in Carbonite, but it is Lego Han Solo Frozen. In, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Um, so you know, they instead of like his hands like pressed up against it, it's those little you know Lego claws, whatever they are. <laughs> um, it seems uh, it seems super cute. I'm very excited for this game. Yeah, we we tend to talk about it a lot, which um, you know. Uh, I, I don't know why, but yeah, this one has really captured my imagination in a way that most like Lego games, which I have played in the past and I think are fine. Um, but, you know, like I, it's been a while since I've been excited for one. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it 
this is not a like repackaging of you know previous lego games it is like a from the ground up built for now um and built for a post episode nine world um which you know like it 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 makes me excited uh you know if for nothing else then like we get to see a a peak like a different peak at what lego games could be totally do you think that part of the reason why this game is coming out so long is that like uh uh episode nine was being edited up until like the very last minute so they're like well we can't really build a game around this until the movie actually comes out <sighs> yeah i mean i i wonder i i wonder if they uh if there are like a bunch of levels or whatever that they had to like cut out because they're like oh yeah we they end up not going there anymore, <laughs> you know? um totally unrelated but it was the uh two-year anniversary of uh solo a star wars story like mm-hmm. uh last week and so I was seeing like a lot of different podcasts. Um, I listen. We've talked about it on the show before. I listen to Blast Points. It's a great podcast that I really love, and um, also Sky Talkers. And they both had episodes around um, Solo, and it made me go back and rewatch it. And uh, you know, I really liked it when it first came out. I just thought it was fun. Um, and now it is exactly like the Star Wars that I kind of need. It's the Star. <laughs> it's like a Star Wars to heal the soul. A little bit, yeah. Um, and uh, so I went back and rewatched it on Netflix, and uh, I, I, it's a movie that I appreciate more with time. Yeah, I mean, it it is uh one of the, it is one I think probably the only Star Wars movie that aspires to just be a popcorn flick, um, and delivers on that pretty well throughout. Um, and like it's it's only big crimes are answering questions that no one asked. Um, but as long as like, I don't know if you don't think about um, uh, like, this is the part where they name Han Solo, or this is the part where he gives Chewbacca a nickname as like meaningful parts of the movie. And just as like something that happens in the movie, it's fine. Yeah. I also think it really suffered from coming out so closely oh, yeah. after the last Jedi. Cause the last Jedi was like so much, star wars <laughs> yeah you know yes, that was. like it was uh the the world was still reeling from the last jedi when um uh solo came out uh maybe um, that's what I... we should talk about for 433 <laughs> <laughs> look if we just go back and forth talking about the simpsons and <laughs> star wars in 433 i will never be unhappy again um i i did see that on twitter make solo 2 happen was twitter uh was uh trending for a little bit um which uh fine but like let's make it a calrissian movie please <laughs> i do you know what i really um especially on this rewatch what i appreciate so much is kira um, I think Kira uh, yeah. is such a cool character, and I do think that it would be, it'd be. I hope that in some form, whether it's novels or comics or as part of like the Cassian TV series or something like um, that, we get more of Kira and we get more of like the crime syndicates. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it is. I I am fine with uh Disney taking like a break with Star Wars and like you know we'll you know catch back up with it in a, a different era entirely and you know have a different format and whatever like I'm 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 happy for that but like it would have been cool to have a uh, a trilogy based off of um Solo right yep. Solo uh Calrissian and Kira like 
if if those were the movie like that's that's cool that would that have been cool i want to see that it's it's a great cast and i really think that like the first movie's production was obviously shaky but it seems like the foundation yep. for something really great was there Back to Nintendo. Uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition finally has a release date after being announced alongside all the other Final Fantasy releases on Switch last year. I totally forgot about this. Um, yeah. Square Enix uh, announced last week that the game will be coming to the North American and European eShops on August 27th. Uh, physical versions of the game are going to be available, but only in Japan. Um, and this is this one's exciting because Crystal Chronicles was one of those weirdo games that like was best played on a GameCube with a Game Boy Advance hooked up to it, um, and had like a cool multiplayer asynchronous kind of hook to uh to it, um, and that is uh immediately and you know easily doable on the Switch, um, so yeah, I'm 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 very excited for this thing to come out and um. The, the Crystal Chronicles is not a game that I uh, played in its original release because it's such a weirdo game um, and because uh, that sort of comes out in my video game blind spot. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be cool for this thing to actually come out. And finally t- today, a sequel to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie that neither of us have seen uh, has officially been announced. So, meow, Sonic the Hedgehog fans. Mm, yes uh yes uh a a reference to the infamous trailer where uh james marsden discovers sonic in a barn uh and sonic goes meow yes (laughs) yeah that's what happened Mm -hmm. um we have now uh we are now putting this out there into the universe it is our goal to have james marsden or Jim Carrey, either one, or Ben Schwartz. <laughs> on, not Ben on, Schwartz. On the show. Yeah. What's that? Not Ben Schwartz? No, I said Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz was the oh, third one. Oh, you did. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> if any of them want to come on Nintendo Cartridge Society, uh, they just got to email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And then we'll have them right on to talk about, you know, whatever, what they want to see in Pikmin 4. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it wherever you share stuff. Uh, that would help us out tremendously. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apepetti. You can get more of his music by going to apepetti.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying Black Lives Matter, and thanks for listening. is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. 
This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.